0: Greetings everyone and welcome back to my podcast Introverted Queen where I an introvert have conversation with other introverts about living in an extroverted world. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for listening, supporting and sharing these episodes. We spend a lot of time at work. The workplace is filled with people from different cultures, different experiences, different personalities, and sometimes it can be hard to get along with everyone. I've been in workspaces where I felt like I didn't belong and that's not a great feeling. But I've noticed in the past few years that there's been a shift in the way that we talk about the corporate environment. I'm not sure if the pandemic had something to do with it, but there are more and more discussions about belonging, about diversity and inclusion, about how to attract and retain good talent in an organization. We talk more and more about mental health. There is a more human side of the corporate world, which is great. My guest this week is Alex. He is an introverted manager who works in the finance and IT industry. And we talked about the challenges of being an introvert in the workplace, uh, how to keep employees motivated and diversity and inclusion, but not only race and gender. It's a great episode. Check it out. Hi, Alex. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm all right. How are you?
0: I'm good, thanks. Thank you for being a guest on this podcast. You're welcome. So are you ready to chat? Sure. (laughs) Awesome. So my first question for you is, uh, who is Alex? Well,
1: I'm a husband and a father of two. I am an ERP manager at my work. I manage systems that I used to run a business, like in finance, HR, payroll, supply chain. An ERP system is like SAP or Oracle or Microsoft Dynamics, so I manage a system like that. I'm an amateur gardener,
2: Okay.
1: a nature lover, an author, and I guess I'm an introvert too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're a man of uh, many titles. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So you identify yourself as an introvert and you are a manager. What are some challenges that you've experienced as an introverted manager?
1: Okay, I guess the sort of introvert I am, I guess I'm the sort that Hates that initial introduction to new people.
2: Mm.
1: Like, I find it painful. Mostly, not sure what to say or that sort of thing. I find that with people I'm comfortable with, you can't get me to shut up. (laughs) I talk a lot. (laughs) And I have my opinions. But with new people that I don't know, I hate the small talk. I'm just not good at that. Mm -hmm. So... In a work environment, selling myself to higher ups that I don't particularly know, that is not something I do well. So I tend to prefer to let my work speak for me. And sometimes that's enough and sometimes that's not. So I guess that would be my biggest challenge as an introvert.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally relate. And I think sometimes, like, the small talk of like introducing yourself and yeah. selling yourself can feel like, like you said, it's very painful. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you see people around you doing it so naturally, you're like, Oh wow, okay. This is uh this is interesting.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how they do it, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the ability to talk about things that you're not particularly interested in or you're not very knowledgeable about
0: mm-hmm.
1: is just something I just I'm not I'm not gifted that
0: way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Is it something that you practice doing sometimes just to, to be better? Or are you are just like, it is what it is?
1: Yeah, I think at this point I've given up on it. I'm just, it, it, just, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess what I find with people is the people who know me find it hard to believe that I think I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. But the people who don't know me, it's painfully obvious that I am. So it's I guess I, I straddle those two worlds depending on what's going on.
0: Right, right. Yeah, Interesting. So I saw a quote on uh, LinkedIn recently, and it said something like, leadership does not live in the title, leadership lives in the behavior. What do you think about that?
1: I guess behavior has two aspects, like this personal and professional. I think that if your personal behavior is warped, then it just tends to warp the professional as well. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's it's difficult to be a jerk. It's difficult to be a a jerk or, a, you know, somebody who's just mean, so to, to speak, and maintain a professional facade like long term. Right? You might get away with it for a while, but I, I think it like, kind of shows eventually that you are the way you are. So if you set that aside, if you assume that somebody is not like that, then I think that a manager behaves in a systematic manner. A good manager, anyway. And I think that that sort of systematic way of behaving, usually following some sort of model, is learned. It's something you actually have to learn to do. Mm -hmm. I don't think it just happens. So... A good leader doesn't just shoot from the hip, right? They don't make decisions on the fly. Even if they seem to be spontaneous, it's something they've learned how to do and just to appear to, just to be fluid with it. A good manager will think things through. Usually they'll have um, trusted advisors around them, maybe the people who work for them or people who are at their level or even above, whatever, but they have people that advise them and help them along. They usually are following a sort of strategic plan, Mm -hmm. and that behavior that they're exhibiting is tied to the strategic plan. They surround themselves with expertise. Basically, their advisors know how to do things. They know how things work in the trenches and up everywhere. They know how the business operates. They use data to help them make decisions because that data tends to create the expertise. It exposes gaps. And that's where the innovation comes, trying to fill those gaps, right? Mm-hmm. I think good managers, they're open to new ideas and continuous education, because again, that's what drives innovation. A good manager creates a safe and trusting environment, because that tends to promote equity and caring, and it also focuses on the work,
0: right.
1: uh, rather than like on distractions because of other things that are happening, and... They also tend to promote diversity. And I mean, when I say diversity, I mean diversity of thought, of experience, of social economic backgrounds, gender, race, religion, all of it. Because they understand that the more diversity they have, the more ideas are brought to the table, which helps with the continuous education I just mentioned, helps you gather better data, builds your expertise, improves your innovation. And it's just a cycle that just feeds on itself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, I guess the other thing I can say is that um, a good manager also has a communication and feedback loop. Because, quite frankly, it doesn't matter how well you're doing if people don't know what you're doing. <laughs>
2: right.
1: so, and it also, I suppose nature abhors a vacuum, right? So if you don't tell people what you're doing, if you don't communicate that, then they'll just make up their own minds about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right, they'll make their own facts up. So, if you don't provide them with your own facts, and then a good manager is that also tends to like it helps with visibility. Right, you need to be seen mm-hmm. to reduce that trust deficit. So, none of these things have much to do with titles, is what I'm trying to say. It's a mindset, and usually, it follows a method or a model,
0: yeah. You know? No, it's uh it's very true what you said. And I think I'm finding that now there's more talks about leadership behaviors yeah. rather than, you know, like focus on like the money and like the company, like morale. I, f- I find it's more like it's getting more people oriented than anything. Yeah. There's been a bit of a shift and I think corporations I feel like managers also didn't have a choice because I feel like nowadays there's just so much awareness about mental health and how, you know, having a not so great manager can be, you know, it can be detrimental to your career and yourself as well. Right. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It it also like will kill your business. Yes. Uh, And I guess the danger of it too is it'll kill your business slowly. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you have one of those environments that are toxic, then people leave, right? Yeah. And they leave with the knowledge that they have, and sometimes they're difficult to replace, and slowly but surely, you're going to kill your business if you allow toxicity into your management ranks. or actually anywhere in your in your organization, if you allow that, it's going to kill your business eventually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You touched a little bit on diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And I thought it was very interesting that you said it's not only about, you know, race or gender, but it's also about different personalities. And I don't think people think about that often. I think when we think about diversity and inclusion, we're very, we're focused on, okay, is there enough women? Is there enough men of color? Well, you know, it could be more about you know, how many introverts do we have in the workplace, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: I, I can't tell you how many times I sit around with people. Some of them I don't particularly know. We are we are in a meeting because they happen to be the experts or the ones involved in whatever it is that is going on, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just talking about what's going on and somebody will say something that you would have never thought of yourself, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just... Because of their own experience or because of what they know about what's going, whatever, right different reasons, they just bring something to the table and so I honestly believe that and this is you really need to you need to listen to people from all sorts of backgrounds because if you don't do that, then you, you tend to have a very myopic view of what's going on and how to deal with it
0: absolutely it's
1: really important that that you have people from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that necessarily means people of all those different things that we talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As a manager, do you find it difficult to motivate your employees?
1: What I've learned is that it can be if you're not following a model, if you don't have a method. And I know I've said this before, but I, I think it's really, really important that if you ever start in something, like you're not sure how to approach something, try to look up a model. I how to do it. Mm-hmm. Because it's a very good way to jumpstart your own, like, what we You know how sometimes you, you're like, you have a problem, you're not sure what to do about it, and then you just decide, okay, I'm going to start here, right? Randomly, you just decide, I'm, I think I'm going to start here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as you start to think about it, from just that, that little corner, it starts to build all these other ideas as you go along, right? So I, I really do think that if you have a model, then you can pretty much accomplish most goals. So in this particular instance, i motivating employees. What I try to do is I start with the the strategic objective of the business. And usually you can find that on, it's on, a, on your website. It's there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens with that, if, depending on what kind of an organization you... At, at least in a good organization, what will happen is it will be put out there by the executive with the executives, and then it'll be translated for each department, right? Like, this is how, this is where you fit in, right? And um, another department, a completely different department that maybe doesn't seem to be related to you, they have an angle that feeds into the strategic plan, right? So for my people, what I'll try to do is make sure that I can explain what it is that we're doing in our own little corner, and how it fits into the strategic plan. So if I do that, then I find I'm able to motivate even the most unmotivated employees Mm. just by simply making sure that you know the strategic objective, you demonstrate how you, in your own little corner, you and your people, how what you're doing affects the strategic plan. And you have to do it in a way that they believe. Right. Sometimes when you're talking to... Like you'll go to a meeting with a bunch of executives and they're, they're talking, whatever it is that they're saying, right? Maybe they're talking about the last quarter's results or whatever. And they, they, the language you're using doesn't really relate, right, to, to to the person who's doing, just you know, just doing a job, right? So you have to really think about, okay, how does, what it is that you do, what happens when, when you're done your little part? what's the next thing that happens, right? And how does it go up? A change so that eventually you accomplish a goal or you sell a product or you do whatever it is that you do and how does that feed into the strategic plan so you just have to find a way to make people see what it is why it is that what they do matters and then i find that that's that's where the motivation will come from
0: um, absolutely and i and i think also it's such a common question like in an interview about you know motivation but like you said I think when you feel like you are in a space where you belong, where you are seen, where you are heard, then yeah. I think motivation just comes naturally.
1: Exactly. If if you think that what you're doing matters, mm-hmm. then I think you'll be motivated to do it. If you don't know why it is that you're doing what you're doing, if you don't, if if you don't care, if nobody makes you care about what you're doing, then there's no way you're going to be motivated. It's impossible.
0: Yeah. You just don't care. True. Right? Yeah. I feel like I'm having an aha moment right now about something at work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's other ways of motivating people. Like we said before, you have to treat people fairly. Mm-hmm. You have to pay them well. Yes. You have to give them interesting work. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I, I like to do personally, and I don't know if other people do this, but I, I like to play to people's strengths. Mm. In my team, I find that if I know this person doesn't like doing a certain type of task or a certain type of job or whatever, I don't force it upon them. Okay. And again, this goes to building diversity, mm-hmm. right? When you have a team, even when you're hiring people, like I try to think, okay, let's say, let's say you have a small team of five people, right? And you have a couple of people that are really strong in this area. Then when you're hiring, try to hire for your weaker areas, right? And even if all of you are... Let's say all of you are engineers. The people you're hiring are engineers. Yeah, they're all engineers. They all have the same degree, but there are people who are good at... You know, people who like coding and the people like thinking about what needs to be done, but they don't like coding or whatever. These people, people are just different, right? Yeah. So when you're hiring, try to look at the deficiencies of your team and hire to fill those gaps, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're giving people work to do, I find... For me, personally, it works better if I play to people's strengths. I know that this guy, if I give him this job, he's not going to do a good job of it because it's not how his mind works. He doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't like it. When he's tried to do it in the past, he hasn't done a good job. So why am I punishing him Mm -hmm. by giving him a job he's going to detest, right? There's no motivation in that, right? But another person just loves this, so I'm going to give it to them because that's what they like to do, and they'll do it quickly You'll do it cheerfully, you know, so it it helps to play to people's strengths, I
0: think. Very true, because I think sometimes we have, you know, we have a position at work and, you know, we pretend that we like all the tasks that we're doing. But there's one task that we just we don't like it because we're not good at it and we just don't care for it. Like, let's just say you you don't care for research
2: yeah exactly
0: right. You can just yeah. get somebody else to do that part, and then vice versa or something like that because it's exactly. it's true
1: yeah exactly. I remember once i I was taking a class, and the instructor like she had this model that she was using and 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 she was she, she like she had a series of questions that she asked each of us to answer right and depending on how she did this really well answer, I've never forgotten this you you, you saw. The kind of the way your mind works you know like you answer a bunch of questions and you can see people start to like group into different you know people who like you said who like research other people like planning mm-hmm. other people like execution right mm-hmm. other people like the, you know you know what i mean so if you're the kind of person who likes to execute but you don't particularly like planning i shouldn't give you a planning job you know yeah. or a planning task right mm-hmm. if you're somebody who likes planning and you don't actually want to sit down there and actually crunch through do the execution then I'll give you the planning thing because I know that that's how your mind works. That's what motivates you, right? That's Your, your mind lights up when you have to plan something,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do you think that some people feel guilty about this? Like they're in a role and there's something in the role that they don't like doing and they're like, well, it's part of the job, so I have to do it.
1: Yes, you do because it's already been given to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, the first here
1: is the manager Shouldn't have given you that job in the first place. (laughs) Do you know Mm, what I mean?
0: Right.
1: (laughs) But once it's given to you, then you're stuck with it, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But but what I'm saying is that if the manager, and I understand sometimes you, you, you maybe your team is so small that you can't, you don't really have this choice that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So I completely get that. But what I'm saying also is that some of it is just you might have a manager who doesn't necessarily think about it, so they task you with things that you're not good at or that you don't enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. But perhaps if that manager had thought about it in the first place, maybe they'd have arranged whatever needs to be done in a certain way, then given you less of whatever it is that you don't like and maybe more of what it is that you like. Even if you still have to do some of it, you don't have to do all of it or too much of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think if you have a choice, if you can try to not give people things they don't like to do, it doesn't motivate them.
0: Mm -hmm. What's uh, one common myth about management?
1: I think it's what you said at the beginning, that the title makes the manager. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times what happens is the best people are people who do a good job or people who talk a good game, right? Depending (laughs) on, on, on the environment you work with. But anyway, the person who shines, however it is that they're shining, whether it's because they do a good job or they talk a good game or whatever, they, they're the ones that become managers, right? But like I said, I truly believe from my experience that managing people, you learn how to do it. You basically have to either learn to be a good manager or be taught to be a good manager.
2: Mm-hmm. Just
1: like you do with, you learn math or science or whatever, you have to learn to be a good manager. So I do think that that idea that, all you have to do is make this person the manager and then you leave them and think they're going to be a good manager. I think it just doesn't work like that. More often than not, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have somebody who's just natural or maybe they've had experience in the past or whatever. I get that. But I'm saying that if you've never been a manager, you have to learn how to be a manager. Mm -hmm. Just giving you a title doesn't make you a manager. Facts.
0: Yeah, very true. I think it's a little bit similar when, like, let's just say you have two children. One is super outgoing and one is very quiet. And people always assume that the outgoing child is just a natural leader. Exactly. Right. Because they
1: talk a good game, right? That's what I am saying, right? (laughs) Right? True. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I have two of them here. Like, my son is like, he's like an extrovert, for sure. Okay. And my daughter is it. My mm. daughter is like she's quiet, she like lives in her head a lot. So yes, if you're to be asked who's the, the leader, you'd think that it's it's the boy, but he's just talking, right? And then he moves on to the next thing and then he's <laughs> well you know, and he talks a lot about that, and then he moves on to the next thing and he says a lot about that, right? right. That's all he does, just talk. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's the uh, best advice you've ever gotten?
1: When I was growing up, I don't know if if you did this growing up, but but, um, we used to talk a lot about what we would do when we finished school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And usually that meant like when you got your bachelor's degree, you know, and I remember we used to talk of it with such finality, you know, like that's the end of learning. Right. Just once you get there, that's it. You're done. Right. And then one of the things that my mom sort of drilled into me is that there's no such thing as finishing school. Mm. Um. So, I think that's probably one of the best advice that my mom ever gave me. There's no such thing as an end to learning, and my mother was is a lifelong learner. I remember even when I was growing up she was always she was always taking a course here and a course there, and she was always in, you know she's just one of those people that just enjoy learning right she was either even all of, all the jobs i've known her to to have it's always been some sort of teaching job right she's always she's a natural like teacher and when she's not doing what she's in school learning (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember she got her master's degree when she was in her 40s and she got her PhD when she was in her 60s Wow! she never stopped right so Mm -hmm. that idea that it never stops that you have to continuously improve yourself and learn and observe and you know and do something try something out and if it doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to, you think about why it didn't work and you adjust and you you don't do better the next time. I think that's the best advice I ever got.
0: That is great advice because I think if you're not, if you're not learning, you're not growing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You get stuck, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We talk often about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, What do you think about it, and how can we properly promote it?
1: Again, it goes back to what we were talking about, the way a title doesn't make a manager. It's the same thing, right? Um, What you've done is you've given somebody a job, not because they're particularly good at it, but because you want to check a box, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to leave them, and then maybe they don't do well, and then you blame them. You know mm. what I mean? Because again, your motivation was misplaced. Yeah. You didn't do it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, if you see diversity and inclusion for what it is, which in my opinion is enlightened self interest, right? Then I think you'll go far with it. So you have to basically model it, right? You have to see it as a means to an end. Right whatever your strategic goal is, whether it's making money or accomplishing a goal or whatever it is that your organization is about, whatever mandate it holds and whatever it is you're trying to do, then you bring people in right
2: mm-hmm. using
1: that diversity of thought of experience of social economic backgrounds of gender of race, religion, all those things right, and you bring the best people in that you can but and make sure that your table has people from everywhere, then you're naturally going to end up with a diverse organization, right? And you're going to naturally have inclusion in the workplace. And then, because you're doing it for the right reasons, which is, again, to bring in the best people so that you can succeed in whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to promote all those things we talked about. You're going to bring better ideas to the table, you know, because people, this person who comes from whatever background is going to say, what about this or what about the other thing? Or have you thought about this or the other thing? Or if you do this, where I come from, it's going to lead to this or the other thing, right? Or whatever, whatever it is. If you do that and you do it for the right reasons, then you're going to, you know, you're going to educate yourselves, right? Even around the table, you become better educated. You gather better data, right? You, You build your expertise. You come up with new ideas which drive innovation and which is what you want, right? Again, why are you doing it? You do it to take a check where you just check a box somewhere and then that's it. It's, it's useless.
0: Well, Alex, this was great. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for chatting with me.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. It was easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. That was such a great conversation I had with Alex. I hope you found it insightful just as much as I did. One thing I took away from this conversation is that good leaders motivate and inspire people. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and please subscribe. Also, if you enjoy this content and you want to support, please feel free to donate in the PayPal link in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram at introverted underscore queen blog. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care. And until next time.